This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. So we're in a, a very volatile time when it comes to the stock market, when it comes to printing lots and lots of money, um, uh, not just in the US, but the European Central Bank's printing money. And where do you put your money for safety? Okay, so we talk a lot on this show about growth. You know, there's some growth aspects to this, but really what I wanna focus on today is, you know, the, you've gotta have some money that's set aside, that's really what I call getaway money. You know, the whole world comes crashing down. Um, there's, there's talk of uh, hyperinflation followed by a depression or simply just a depression. Uh, and so, you know, what do you do if the whole money system goes kaput? You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like that, you know, or what do you do if you, you just need some safety because you lose your job, you lose everything else, um, you have no income coming in, what do you do? So today I have a very special guest, Pierre Rochard, who is a fellow alum from the University of Texas at Austin. Um, we both graduated there with a Master's of Professional Accounting, so very excited to have you on the show, Pierre, and very excited because um, I'm fascinated by Bitcoin as a token, and, and perhaps on another show we can talk about uh, the whole blockchain technology because I'm even more fascinated by blockchain technology beyond the token aspect um, that, that comes from Bitcoin. But today, let's focus on Bitcoin. Pierre, um, please introduce yourself. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why, you know, why you're so involved in Bitcoin. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so I, I graduated from UT Austin uh, with my master and bachelor in accounting. Uh, I worked at Deloitte as an auditor for a year uh, before I realized that I wanted to do software development. Um, I didn't really like the, the manual data entry part of it, so I wanted to kind of automate my work. Um, and I had also, in, when I was in college, learned about Bitcoin. And so I wanted to actually code up my own Bitcoin accounting software, um, keep track of my cost bases and all this. That didn't exist at the time, right? There were no integrations into existing accounting software. So um, that's kind of what led me to having that uh, both engineering background, but also accounting background um, that is really perfect when we're talking about the subject of uh, a new kind of money, a new money technology like Bitcoin. And so, uh, you know, if we bring it back to, to the fundamentals and, and kind of thinking about it from first principles, you laid it out really well that people hold money uh, because they have uncertain future cash flows. And so uh, good or bad, right? There might be an investment opportunity in the future that you don't know about yet, but that you're gonna want to have liquid cash for, or, or bad in that your, your car's engine might go out and you might need to replace your car uh, tomorrow. And so, uh, you know, we're faced with all these uncertain future cash flows. And um, so we wanna hold cash. now. The alternative would be like buying insurance, right? If we have, uh, but the problem is that a lot of uh, uncertainty is not quantifiable risk, right? There's no actuarial models for figuring out, uh, you know, when you're gonna get a job promotion or something like that. So um, people hold cash. Now, uh, one of the issues in our uh, system is that the government, doesn't necessarily want to incentivize you to hold cash, right? Sometimes they want to incentivize you to spend cash, 
Now, it's not for nefarious reasons. They're, they're, they're optimizing for the macro economy, right? So they want people to go out and spend today um, to kind of juice the economy. Right. They don't want they're, you to hold cash. They're, they're all about it, cash flowing through the economy. Cash doesn't do any good if it's sitting. It only, uh, and we see that in Japan, right? As the big issue in Japan is their savings rates was way too high. And, and in the US, you know, of course, nobody saves. So <laughs> the economy has the advantage of the cash is constantly flowing through the economy. That's, uh, that's absolutely right. So uh, clearly the Federal Reserve and the government does not want cash just sitting there. Right. And so when you go to a financial planner, they'll say, well, look, if you just keep cash in your bank account, it's going to go down in value by, you know, at least 2% a year. Um, and that compounds and it, 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 it takes us and, and portfolio managers talk about cash drag, right? So, so you want to minimize the amount of cash you're holding uh, and maximize your other investments, right? So whether that's real estate or uh, stocks and bonds, um, or even a money market fund, right? Generating some yield that is trying to uh, keep ahead of inflation. And, and it's kind of, it's part of their, it's part of their ideology, I would call it, of uh, wanting to, um, to, to, to have this. Now, uh, is it, it's, so it's, it, it might be good at a macro level. Is it good at a micro level? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> Um, so uh, we saw, for example, with the coronavirus crisis, like people very quickly ran out of cash, right? Yeah, and very and businesses, some businesses have a lot of cash on their balance sheet, um, but other businesses just were not holding enough cash, right? They were buying back shares. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're seeing small businesses go out of business right now. Their PPP loans are running out and they're going out of business by the thousands right now. Yeah, and so this is a recurring problem. It's not just coronavirus. The financial crisis in 08 was also, it was a cash shortage crisis, right? right? And um, I think that the, the, the policy of wanting to incentivize people to spend today, spend their cash today, means that they're not going to have the cash in the future. And so uh, it actually uh, undermines kind of the resilience of the economic system at a macro level in order to have some short-term gains uh, to GDP numbers and to, to help their reelection, right? That's what it always comes back to, um, which is rational from their perspective, right? They, they want to juice the economy while they're in office and then they'll get reelected. But for, for individuals, uh, it, it has been a struggle. Um, and so what are the solutions? Well, it, it, in passive index funds, um, I think have emerged as kind of a solution where people say, well, I can't hold cash, so I'm going to hold something that's very liquid and diversified, and hopefully it does okay. Yeah, but the challenge, of course, with that is that the stock market's essentially a legal Ponzi scheme, right? Because the, the, the reason it goes up, and you have a limited number of companies in the, in, in, in the Dow Jones, right? And so the only way that goes, up, that, that goes up in price is if people put money in. The minute people start pulling money out, then that's what we saw in, in March, right? People pulled money out really quickly and the stock market crashed. So to me, that's a, I mean, that's a, unless you really know what you're doing, if you really know what you're doing, you make more money coming down than you do going up. But really what I wanna focus on today is, you know, if I, we talk a lot about, uh, in WealthAbility, uh, Pierre, we talk a lot about building wealth and, and getting to your dream and making sure that you, um, you know, you you know, are build are very focused on what you're doing. So most assets in with with our 
clients are really going into a single type of investing because they're very focused, right? It's their business, it's their real estate. It, it may be um, commodities. Um, uh, it, it may be the stock market if they become a professional trader, right? But only we encourage you to be a professional investor, not an amateur investor. So, but there's always this question and I get this a lot from uh, clients. Okay, yeah, what if though, what if we have a catastrophe that we don't get to control? I mean, a lot of people, for example, uh, lost their businesses, their restaurant, restaurants are closing, not because of anything they did, but because of this virus, right? Because of this pandemic and because the government decided that the solution to the virus was to shut down the economy. And so, you know, th there's things out of your control. And of course, if you're an employee, you only have one customer, which is your, your boss, right? It's, that's your only customer and that's really risky. So what do you do, you know, when you talk about safety, whether it's 10%, 20%, however safe you wanna be, and you got money set aside, my life insurance friends say, look, buy a whole life policy or an indexed fund policy, an index policy, and that money's always available to come out to you, right? You have cat, you build cash value. It's like your own bank account, but it's actually earning money. So that is, there's, I think there's a decent argument for that. Life insurance companies from a public policy standpoint have been extraordinarily stable, probably the most stable of all companies over the years as an industry. And then you have the, the gold bugs, right? I was in uh, New Orleans uh, just a couple of years ago and we, <laughs> I was at this, this investment conference and literally all these gold bugs and they're going, look, you got to keep your money in gold. And of course, then people say, well, yeah, but what do I do with it? I mean, where do I, where do I store it? You know, if I store it in the bank, they can take it, right? If I store it at home, it's, it's susceptible to, you know, uh, burglars. I mean, do I put it in a, in a storage? I mean, what do I do with it? And then how do I even trade that? I mean, let's say that things do go down. Uh, am I, am I really going to go buy, you know, bread with, you know, a, a, a silver, silver dollar? I mean, is, is that what I'm going to do? And to me, the third alternative would be cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency, I can walk around with this on my phone, right? As long as I've got internet access, I've got access to my cryptocurrency. Now, granted, if I don't have internet access, I'm pretty much screwed. Um, but we pretty much are, we have that problem anyway, right? I mean, if we're really so bad that we're in a cash only transaction, maybe gold is the right place to be. My question for you, Pierre, um, and, and this is, I think, one of the biggest questions, you, because you have, you know, I, I know you're a, a, big, a big fan of uh, crypto and particularly Bitcoin. And then you have a Warren Buffett who says, I would never buy Bitcoin because guess what? I, you know, anybody, I mean, literally, I'm sure you've done this um, just for fun, is you can create your own cryptocurrency in what, about five minutes, right? So what is it about Bitcoin? Um, let's talk about it. What makes it secure? What makes you think it's not, you know, going to be replaced by Ethereum or some other uh, 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 cryptocurrency or even a cryptocurrency from uh, the federal government? Yeah, absolutely. So um, to your first question about um, life insurance, gold, Bitcoin, um, I think that the, the first two, my, my concern with the first two is dilution. And what I mean by that is, first of all, with the life insurance, it's going to be dollar denominated. So you have currency risk there. Um, and, uh, you know, when we look at 
and this is the same for bonds, right? It's not, it's not as true for equities because equities could just re-denominate into anything. Um, but bonds and life insurance are dollar denominated. Uh, and so if something were to happen with the dollar where its value goes down significantly, then it's not really helping very much. And then with gold, my issue with gold is, you know, you mentioned the, the storage and the portability. Um, but I, I think the, the underlying, uh, for, in terms of the, the, the big whales, right, the people who are moving hundreds of millions of dollars around, uh, the verification is the issue. And there it's, how do we verify what gold's total above ground supply is? We can't, we just have estimates. Um, so already there from a supply perspective, it's kind of fuzzy. Now, then you get into issues of, how do I verify that all of the gold I'm receiving is all 100% pure gold, <laughs> right? So uh, how do I verify that there's no tungsten in all of these? How, so doing an assay, you know, getting a mass spectrometer, uh, doing all of this verification, very expensive on top of the cost of transporting it and storing it. Now, uh, Bitcoin, and it has, Bitcoin has this advantage over other cryptocurrencies as well. So I think I'm answering the second part of your question as well, that with Bitcoin, you can run what's called a Bitcoin node, which sounds fancy and whatnot, but really all I'm talking about is the equivalent of watching Spotify or just, you know, or, or sorry, watching Netflix or running Spotify on your computer. It's just a piece of software that you can run on a laptop. And what it's going to do is it's going to download the entire ledger history of Bitcoin. It's going to verify everything for you. And when you receive Bitcoin, you can verify that you're actually receiving pure Bitcoin. I want to take a moment to tell you about Norada Real Estate. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Narada Real Estate Investments provides you everything you need to invest in some of the best deals around the country. Everything from turnkey rental properties to mortgage financing to property management. Visit their website to learn more and download your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at turnkeyrealestateinvesting.com. That's turnkeyrealestateinvesting.com. Okay, and, so, so yeah. before we get to the end, put this in your, yeah. in your pocket here, before we get to the end, but go back to what you're talking about. So why, again, what's the case for Bitcoin? So you're able to verify the existing supply of Bitcoin, right? That there's 18 million, et cetera, Bitcoin that are um, in existence today. So that allows you to verify Bitcoin's like macro monetary policy, but then you can also verify that the Bitcoin that you hold are actually real Bitcoin. And all of the other cryptocurrencies, they either uh, don't have the scarcity that Bitcoin has, right? There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. Uh, if you look at, for example, Ethereum, they, they don't have that kind of scarcity. There will, there will be an infinite amount of Ethereum. Um, why, is that, why is that? It, I, you know, I mean, Ethereum's still built on blockchain, so isn't it a closed system? Uh, yeah, so it's it's their it's it's their social contract, you could call it, right? Their social consensus is that, from their point of view, uh, ETH is not it's not a digital gold like Bitcoin. Uh, it's it, they 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 liken it to digital oil, right? So uh, it's a commodity that they're using in order to do decentralized computation. And so, you know, if you need a commodity, a, a digital oil, then it makes sense to hold ETH. But if you don't need it and you hold ETH long term, you're going to get diluted out, just as with uh, any other commodity that is not fixed supply like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the only, 
verifiable fixed supply asset in the world. And all the other uh, cryptocurrencies are either not fixed supply or not, and or not verifiable. Uh, I've seen cases of this where uh, there's, there might even be bugs in their software that has hidden supply you don't know about. And so in terms of uh, wanting to find an asset that has the least uncertainty, right? Where, okay, we know that the ledger is globally replicated because people are running nodes all over the world. So we're not worried about kind of uh, what, if, what if someone nukes North America, you know? Well, Bitcoin will continue to work uh, because it's kind of a, just a global internet phenomenon at this point. And then the, the second part is the censorship resistance, right? So right. what if the government wants to stop me from sending this transaction? And um, that could happen kind of uh, because you're running a marijuana shop in Colorado, right? And, and the government doesn't want you doing that, even though it's legal. Um, or you're running a gun store in Texas. Right? It's bipartisan. It's, I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking about each side wants to censor the other side's payments. And Bitcoin is a, a neutral monetary system where nobody can censor anyone else. Well, you say that, and yet the UK just banned Bitcoin sales to uh, retail investors. So, uh, so, yeah, so what, uh, how is that not uh, censorship? That's fair. So, so the, uh, they, they've, they've, they've ruled out uh, derivatives on Bitcoin for, for retail. And really that shows that the biggest weakness for Bitcoin is the uh, fiat on and off ramps. So where do people buy and sell Bitcoin for dollars or for euros or for British pound? Because in the case of the UK, the, the UK government can censor British pound payments. And that's how they're going to enforce this, right? They're not, they can't enforce it on the Bitcoin side. They already know that battle's lost. And so they have to censor British pound payments. So, so basically the answer there is buy it now. <laughs> You'd want to get it early <laughs> yeah. or they, they, they make it illegal because once you buy it, um, there's really no way to track it except, okay, except. So on, on your personal tax return this year in the U.S., um, if you hold cryptocurrency, you have to mark a box that's saying, saying that you hold cryptocurrency. And if you do not mark that box, it's considered tax fraud. So, so in one way or another, the government is still tracking you, right? That's right. That's right. So um, to, to me, Bitcoin is about tackling the inflation tax, right? And having a strategy for minimizing how impacted you are by the inflation tax. It doesn't solve every problem in the world. So, uh, you know, income taxes, all of that, that's still going to be around. And, and it really is a new monetary system, but it's not a new tax, you know, income tax system. Right. It, it's not. And, and to be clear, so people ask me all the time, how does Bitcoin get taxed? Bitcoin's just another currency. So it's no different than if you were trading in yen. You know, if you were if you're trading yen or you were trading um, the 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 uh, Chinese uh, yuan or you know any kind of you know or the Mexican peso, frankly, it's it's just another currency. So it, that's the easy answer to that one. But my question is: is we've seen a lot of volatility in Bitcoin. I mean, not too long ago it was at four thousand. Today's at ten thousand. Why do we have that kind of immense volatility? And doesn't that mean that you know this isn't so safe? Right. Great question. So as you mentioned, in terms of the, the currency, right, I think currency is the, the best uh, 
analytical framework to have when looking at Bitcoin. So if we look at the existing Forex market, um, usually what volatility uh, is driving. So for example, we had the Russian ruble crisis very recently, right. uh, but this has also happened with the, the peso, Mexican peso where you have a devaluation, right? And so the value of that currency drops versus the US dollar precipitously until the, their central bank intervenes and raises interest rates generally. Um, in order to tighten their monetary policy and to stop the devaluation of the currency. In Bitcoin, we have the opposite uh, problem where uh, Bitcoin's value goes up uh, parabolically, right? So it's, it's actually revaluation. So uh, Bitcoin's increasing in value versus the US dollar. Uh, and it, it does so until it runs out of momentum traders, essentially, or people are over leveraged and overextended um, and then at that point, they have to liquidate their, their Bitcoin position. So there's not any kind of um, discretionary monetary policy in Bitcoin. The monetary policy is fixed. So the money supply is fixed. And it, what, what is floating is the exchange rates and uh, the interest rates. And so uh, it's a completely different monetary paradigm than what we currently have uh, in kind of the post Bretton Woods system. And it's, it's very unusual for us to think about because usually we would expect some kind of intervention in order to stop the volatility. And um, so in the Bitcoin system, what, what it's optimizing for is the least uncertainty, right? In the sense that it has this fixed monetary policy and that is what you know, we're, we're, we're very confident in. But the exchange rate is freely floating and so it's highly risky. And so um, what I advise people is that if they want to take advantage of Bitcoin's fundamental properties of uh, being seizure resistant, uh, censorship resistant, of, of having that fixed supply, um, and of, of being permissionless too, in the sense that um, you can create a Bitcoin address and, and have a Bitcoin private key and receive Bitcoin from anyone without having to provide your social security number or anything like that. Right. Um, now that's different than signing up on an exchange, right? What I'm describing is if you're just, trying to receive Bitcoin from your friend. Right, uh, or, you or you're actually doing business in Bitcoin. I mean, right. you know, it, essentially um, that's the whole, I mean, ev eventually that would be the goal of Bitcoin to actually, and, and there is commerce that goes on in Bitcoin. Um, if there weren't commerce going on, then it would just be a speculative investment. That's right. And so the, the volatility, we see it oscillate around Bitcoin's fundamental value, essentially, where every, every bear market, it bottoms out at a higher level than the previous bear market. So there is some fundamental right. value accruing through the cycles, right? Through the volatility, we do see a fundamental trend of it going up. And that's due to what you're talking about where there are actual people using this uh, as real money and not just as a speculative vehicle. Um, otherwise we would see it retrace to its previous uh, price um, before the bubble. Um, and well, so in, in that way, in that way, then it reacts like the stock market. I mean, stock market historically, the bear market goes to a higher, to, to higher than the previous bear market. So, it, what I'm hearing you say is that it really behaves more like the stock market than it does even the the U.S. dollar or gold because they seem to be a lot more stable. Well, there's also the timing of the cycles, right? Like gold has had its macro cycles. Um, I think the gold bottom was in 99 or 2000 and, and you know, from a, a high in 1980. So let's call that a 20 year cycle. Uh, Bitcoin 
and, and then the stock market, maybe let's call it an eight-year cycle, Bitcoin, or the stock market has. Um, Bitcoin has shorter cycles. It has uh, four-year cycles. And kind of what are those driven by? Well, historically, they've been driven by what's called the halving, where the rate of production of Bitcoin by Bitcoin miners gets cut in half. And the reason that happens every four years is because eventually we're going to get to a maximum of 21 million Bitcoin and no new Bitcoin are getting created. And so that's kind of the disinflationary monetary policy of, of Bitcoin. Now, to, to your point about volatility, too, there is a mature derivatives market around Bitcoin now. So, uh, you know, CME has Bitcoin futures trading on it now. So uh, large investors who want to hold a lot of Bitcoin uh, but want to cap their downside are able to buy puts or to sell futures in order to, to hedge that volatility risk. Um, and, and that, that kind of gets into what does the rest of your portfolio look like? What are your, what does your cash flow look like? Right. If you don't have any cash flow, then volatility is a problem because you're going to be liquidating Bitcoin in order to generate cash flow. Uh, if you have strong operating cash flows, then you don't really need to worry about short-term volatility, right? Because you're going to be able to, uh, you know, get cash from your business or from your real estate. Um, and you can hold Bitcoin for 30 years without even thinking about it. Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. So, so it sounds to me like the key is that you still want to make sure that you have a cash flowing investment, basically. I mean, it, that can be a business, that can be real estate, um, that can be your commodities, uh, but you've got some cash flowing vehicle so that th that's your normal cash flow. And, and you look at Bitcoin, really the way I would look at gold, which is it's, it's going to go up and down, but it's going to fundamentally retain its value. Um, it's not going to lose value um, over the long term. Um, yes, there's some volatility in, but it's not going to lose value. So um, to kind of to wrap up here, uh, Pierre, if you could uh, give us a two or three items, things that people can actually do. We, you know, we talked about the um, verifying, which I, I think would be one, but just give us two or three practical things people can do if they're thinking about investing in Bitcoin. Yeah, so I, I think that don't don't go all in on on day zero because you've seen the light or something like that. You know, I think that uh, I've seen too many people panic buy and then have to panic sell six months later right. because they really overextended themselves. So I, I think that it comes down to first of all education. So uh, follow me on Twitter. I, I love tweeting about Bitcoin a lot. So at uh, Pierre underscore Rochard. If you're interested in kind of dipping your feet into Bitcoin, um, there's a lot of different uh, retail uh, options. Uh, one is Cash App. So uh, Square has this uh, mobile app um, that you can, you can buy stocks on it, but you can also buy Bitcoin on it. Yeah. And that could be, you know, $20 worth of Bitcoin. Uh, you can set up a recurring buy if you just so want to start. Is that easier than like Coinbase? 
I, I do think it's easier in the sense that um, it's a, a simpler onboarding experience. Um, Coinbase is more for intermediate users or advanced users as well. Um, uh, whereas Cash App is really an introdu introduction to Bitcoin. And, and then if you want, uh, another option is river.com. So river.com, um, they allow you to buy, if you're buying large amounts of Bitcoin, right? $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, uh, you're going to want to go to river.com where they can uh, accommodate higher volumes. Got it. All right. Um, any, any final thoughts? Tell us where to find you. You've told us your, your, your Twitter account. Um, anything else uh, that uh, we can get? I mean, if we, if, you know, we really want to learn more about Bitcoin, where do we go? Yeah, I think that um, the, 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 the best place to, to go is, is Twitter um, because it's kind of a clearinghouse of information about, uh, about Bitcoin. Um, and then the second thing I would say is that Bitcoin, because it's decentralized, there's no corporation that you can just go to that is going to have a Bitcoin CEO. It's, it's a network, it's an open source network on the internet and um, for better or for worse, right? Uh, it, it means that uh, community members like myself have to uh, you know, do the marketing for Bitcoin, but it, it also means that nobody really controls Bitcoin and nobody can manipulate it. And so that's, that's kind of what I like about it a lot as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pierre uh, Richard. I'm very glad to have you. I know your um, website is pierrerochard.com, right? And right. uh, for those of us who still use websites, um, we old folks that aren't just constantly on Instagram and Twitter and now TikTok. Although I will tell you, my book, Tax-Free Wealth, did make it onto TikTok um, just this weekend. So that makes an old, old, old geezer like me feel pretty good. Anyway, thank you. And just remember, you know, when, when you're looking at building wealth, and reducing your taxes, don't forget that there is, um, there is a place for safety and there is a place for just having getaway, you know, what I call getaway money. And whether, you know, it, whether that's gold and silver for you, whether that's life insurance, like, you know, my, my, my friend, uh, my friend, I have several friends in the life insurance industry, or whether it's Bitcoin where you can uh, take it with you on your phone, what, always happens when we get the financial education we're always going to end up making way more money paying way less tax i'll see you next time you've been listening to the wealth ability show with tom wheelwright way more money way less taxes to learn more go to wealthability.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.